I'm glad he didn't give candy to everybody. I would have completely lost focus. <laughs> Let us pray. Creator God, nourish us with your spirit to grow in love and generosity, to be more like Jesus Christ. Hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. Hear now a reading from Acts. In everything I have shown you, that by working hard, we must help the weak. In this way, we remember the Lord Jesus' words. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the word of the Lord. So today we're continuing our worship series on um, stewardship. It's called Your Money and Your Life, based on Adam Hamilton's series. And as we continue with this series, we continue to wrestle with whether or not we have to choose. Whether we have to choose between money and life. Do we have to choose between... Uh, our resources, our, um, our money and our material resources, and this life that Jesus says is so much more than all these things, so much more than all this stuff that we clamor for and these priorities that we allow to compete with our love and our devotion for God. And as we continue to examine our priorities, we're also going to talk about generosity. As a people of faith, we are called to be generous. We learn in Genesis, in the very first chapters of the Bible, that we're created in the image of God. And then we learn throughout Scripture that this God of ours is incredibly generous. And as those who are created in God's image, we're called to be generous too. And this generosity is it's not just about our finances. It's not just about uh, sharing our material resources. It's about sharing all of our resources. It's about sharing things like our time, our talents, the things we're good at. It's about having an overall generous spirit and a generosity of grace and mercy. It's about a generosity that creates space, space where all people can be and have opportunity to fully express who they are. Y'all, I can't talk about generosity today in particular um, and about the nature of our God as being this generous God without touching at least for a moment on this shooting that happened yesterday at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pennsylvania. This act, it is entirely, completely antithetical to our understanding of who God is and to our understanding of who we're created to be. Based on what we know so far about the suspected shooter, it seems quite clear that this was an act motivated entirely by hate and by anti-Semitism. It was a dreadful act of violence and it was directed at a people based entirely on their heritage and their faith practices. And as people of faith, as people who follow Jesus, who was the most faithful of Jews, who had the most generous of hearts, we are called to stand with our Jewish brothers and sisters 
as they live in this place of deep grief, of fear, and we're called to speak out against and um, act against any hateful act that's directed at them. It breaks my heart, and as those who worship a generous and gracious and merciful God, I hope that it breaks your heart too. While we are created in God's image and we're created to be generous, I'm not sure that generosity is uh, second nature or that it comes naturally to us when we witness ex experiences like this or acts like this. Um, it's hard not to think about uh, how much of how we feel and how we act is learned behavior. Um, there are many characteristics of God that we are called to emulate, and we learn to emulate those characteristics and grow in our likeness to Christ through spiritual practices, through faith practices like prayer and hospitality and acts of mercy and generosity. All of these practices form us more and more into the likeness of Christ over time. There's been a lot of studies actually on generosity and on the correlation between those who are religious or claim faith and generosity. And most of the studies indicate what you might expect, that people of faith are generally more generous than people who say they practice no faith. One study that was done through the University of Indiana's Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, that's a tongue twister, um, they track household giving in the United States, and in October, a year ago, in 2017, the study reaffirmed that there is a substantial connection between religion and giving. Someone with a religious affiliation was more than two times as likely to be generous than someone without a religious affiliation, according to this study. And among those who have religious affiliations, religious intensity also matters. It makes a difference how often you attend worship. It makes, off, it makes a difference how uh, deeply connected you are within the community. It makes a difference um, how broadly you serve within that community. All of these things are connected to um, how generous an individual is. There was another study that was commissioned by the BBC back in 2014. They polled more than 3,000 people, people of every faith tradition and people who say that they practice no faith. And what they found, again, was that those who profess a religious belief are significantly more likely to give than those who don't. Meanwhile, there's a whole other area of study that explores the correlation between generosity and happiness. You know, Jesus, according to the scripture that we read today, said that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And science backs him up. Scientific studies report that we are happier, that we're less depressed, and that regardless of what your actual financial status or wealth is, we feel richer when we practice generosity. Apparently, we are in fact created to be generous. We're made to give, which seems fairly self-evident. I mean, I think we've all had the experience of giving, uh, of being generous and feeling better about ourselves, having a little lift in spirit. 
There was, a, there was an episode of Friends. I don't know if y'all watch Friends or not, but <laughs> there was an episode of Friends years ago, and in the episode, Phoebe and Joey had this heated argument throughout that episode about whether or not it was actually possible to perform a truly selfless act of generosity. And what Phoebe eventually discovered by the end of that episode was that no, you couldn't because you could not get around the fact that doing something kind made you feel better. She was really disappointed about that outcome. <laughs> it was reported in July of 2017, based on research from the University of Zurich in Switzerland, that being generous does actually boost a person's mood. They gave money to individuals in two different groups. They told them that they were gonna receive money on a weekly basis for a month, and they split the group up and they told one half of the group that they wanted them to plan to spend the money that they were given on themselves and they told the other group that they wanted them to plan to spend the money they would be given on somebody that they knew. Well before they even started doling out the money they did MRI scans on all of the participants and measured areas of the brain that were associated with things like social behavior, generosity, happiness, decision making, and even before they started to give the MRIs on the people who were already thinking about spending that money on others showed that there was heightened activity in the brain in the areas associated with altruism and happiness. And the thing that was really exciting about this particular study, especially as we think about pledging um, our giving for the coming year, is that um, a generous person's mood is boosted even before they start giving. Even the act of pledging boosts their mood. And as they continue to track the people through the study, they realize that those who pledged to give almost 100% did what they said they were going to do, and it affected all the other areas of their life. Throughout the period of the study, those who had pledged to give their money away they found that they were more generous in all areas of their life, which boosted the effects to their mood. Seemed to be this little self-perpetuating cycle that happened. After the experiment was over, those who uh, had planned to be generous, they, were, they also self-reported significantly higher levels of happiness than the group that kept all the money for themselves. There's also evidence, according to this study, that making generosity a regular habit, it may influence long-term well-being and happiness. Studies have shown that older people who are generous, they tend to have better health. And there's other research that indicates that spending money on others can actually be more or as effective at lowering blood pressure as medication and exercise. Moreover, um, there seems to be a positive association between helping other people and life expectancy. So if you want to live longer, healthier lives, we need to start practicing this generosity thing. Apparently, it's just built into our DNA. In the short amount of time that I've been a pastor, there's another point I want to make. I've done a lot of funerals. I have never presided at a funeral where it has been suggested that I mentioned during the sermon the net worth of a person at the time that they died. It's also never been suggested 
that I rehearse how much money they earned while they were living. It's not what people are thinking about as they celebrate the lives of those that they have loved and lived with their whole lives. What we celebrate about people upon their passing is their generosity. How deeply and broadly have they affected the lives of other people? Have they left this, this world a better place? Have they inspired others? Were they willing to let go and give generously to those around them? Did they have a truly open and generous heart and spirit? Were they merciful? Were they kind? Those are the things that I'm most often talking about um, at a, at a, uh, when someone dies. And on the few occasions when I've had to preside at a funeral where there wasn't a whole lot good to say about the person, or at least those that loved them most didn't report very much, it made it difficult. It's during those times that I wonder, what are people going to say about me when I die? It's kind of unsettling. Also, as we mentioned last week, the Bible has a whole lot to say about money and finances and wealth. And a fair bit of it is centered around how we're called to share our wealth. The biblical standard for giving back to God is called a tithe, and the word tithe literally means a tenth. And the first time that we read about anyone giving 10% of what they have to God, it's when Abraham, who has just been victorious in battle, gives 10% of the spoils from that battle back to God as an offering of thanksgiving. And then later, Jacob, who's Abraham's grandson, he says to God, I pledge to you 10% of all that I have, God, if only you will continue to be my God and you will continue to guide me on my path. Adam Hamilton points out that 10% seems to have been what was referred to as the king's portion. And as a people of faith, when we offer 10% back to God, that is us claiming God as king. And then the law of Moses, it comes along a little bit later in the Bible, and God calls his people through Moses to an offering of first fruits. This is uh, giving back the very first portion of a crop that's come in or a flock. In Exodus 23:19, it says, "The choicest of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God." And the people would bring these offerings and they'd place them on, on an altar and they would offer them to God as an act of worship and praise. But what they were offering was also provided for the needs of the tabernacle or later the needs of the temple. It's in the same way that your offering, that which you give back to God through the church, provides for the needs of the church which includes everything from the facilities to the programming to the staff to the missions and ministries that serve this community and the world. But giving and becoming a generous people takes practice. Sam mentioned that sometimes what we give has strings attached and the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. But nowhere in scripture does it say that that's a requirement. 
I think for many of us, when we start giving, we might not be so cheerful about it. It might be a stretch for us initially. It might feel stressful. We might be worried that we don't have enough to share with others. But little by little, as we practice, we grow in faith, and we also grow in our ability to be generous. Giving is a spiritual practice for Ronnie and Hudson Betts. They use many tools that they have available to them so that they can continue to prioritize generosity as a practice in their lives. They budget a certain percentage of their expected income to give to the church. And then when their income increases, their budget, because it assigns a percentage of their income, automatically adjusts to a new amount. They use online giving, so they immediately go to their online giving page and they adjust the dollar amount that's going to be automatically drafted each period in which they give. And then on a regular basis, they come together and they reevaluate how their budget's allocated. How are their funds spread out? And how can they shift bits of that back towards giving so that they can increase the overall percentage that they give to the church over time? They're putting effort into moving towards a full tithe. They're making it a spiritual practice. Your offerings to Westlake United Methodist Church have made possible some amazing and incredibly powerful ministries that have served people right here in these pews, that have served people out in our immediate community, out in Austin, throughout the state of Texas, all around the world, we have affected lives because of your generosity, because of your faithfulness in giving. All you have to do is take a look at the narrative budget that came out. Hopefully you received one in the mail. If you didn't, please let me know because we have other copies. I would love to share one with you so that you can see how exciting and how vital the ministries are of this church. You can also see what the plans are for the coming year. Some exciting plans for how we can change this world. How we can make a real difference in people's lives. Just last weekend, GotNets, remember we learned about them a few weeks ago here in worship? GotNets went out into our community last Sunday afternoon and in a few hours impacted over 4,500 lives when 22 volunteers went to 23 different locations around the city and either replaced or repaired 43 basketball nets. And y'all supported that. You, yeah, well, thank you. Or thank them. I read a report in my email about the last depo deployment of our volunteers and mission team who went uh, back to Victoria just a couple of weeks ago. Um, in early October to repair homes in the surrounding Victoria area that were damaged by Hurricane Harvey. And in just five days, just five people worked a combined total of 126 man hours and finished, finished, uh, did some finishing touches on four homes in the area and also um, sealed the exterior of two other homes. They're headed back in just a couple of weeks, the week of November 12th. You're all invited. So just let, yeah, let them know. 
and I know that you're all aware of the many, many opportunities that have been made available to you to plan to be generous during the Christmas season through Christmas in October. There are a ton of opportunities. If you haven't had the chance to look through that brochure and sign up for what you're going to do during this Christmas season to make a difference, to prepare your hearts to welcome this amazing gift that God gives us, then I encourage you to do that today. I know that there's some brochures that you can get out in the Narthex area as you leave. You can also go online and sign up. Remember, the studies say that if you pledge in advance, you're much more likely to do it. So sign up, y'all. Giving changes us. Giving changes you, and it changes me, it changes us as a community, and I don't want any of us to miss out on the huge blessing that comes. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And as we practice generosity, as we grow stronger in faith, just like this beautiful tree of life planted by these living waters, you begin to grow. Our tree has sprouted leaves this week, y'all. We will grow in faith. We will grow in generosity. It's a practice that perpetuates itself, and we become over time more and more like Christ, more and more like the God who created us in God's image, more and more like the one in whom we find our beginning and towards whom we grow and find our end. What will people say about us when we find our end? When our relationship to money is rooted in our relationship to God, we're able to live more generously. We're able to experience more happiness. And we're able to experience more satisfaction and purpose and meaning in our lives. We become like the very first psalm in scripture says, we become like a tree planted by streams of water which bears fruit at just the right time and whose leaves never fade. It is my hope and prayer that each and every one of us would grow in generosity and experience the deep blessing of being a blessing to all those around us. Amen.